Thanks for listening to the Journey Christian Church podcast. We're on a mission to make disciples who love God, love people, and serve the world. Our prayer is that this message encourages you today. And remember, Journey is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and through Jesus, anything is possible. We are in week three of this series called Kingdom Nomics. And if you've been here in week one or two and you're here for week three, I genuinely, this is not sarcastic, I love that you're here in week three. Because what that means is that you know the topic and you're still leaning in and that says something special about you and I love that. So Pastor John kicked it off in week one, we talked about own nothing, how God owns it all. And then in week two, it was we are to steward everything. And today what we're gonna talk about is how we need to do something. And so really the, the idea today, the prayer that I've been praying for all of us today is that we would take one step towards generosity today. No matter how big, no matter how little, no matter where you're at in this concept of generosity, that you would take one step forward in generosity today. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> if you didn't hear that, there was a, a child that said, yay, for those online Lake County. Yes, that's not, that's, he's not even related to me, so we're good. Here's the deal, when a pastor gets up and talks about money and generosity, there is this awkward tension that some people can have. Because we have seen, all of us have seen and we know past pastors or televangelists or, or leaders that have used, misused or abused their platform and money. Sometimes it's been illegal, a lot of times it's been unethical. Either way, it has landed to where there's now just a little bit of tension or even a lot of jokes about this. I don't know if you heard about the joke with the rancher that called the receptionist. The rancher called the receptionist and said, hey, I'd like to talk to the head hog. Receptionist at the church. She says, well, if you're referring to our senior pastor, Pastor John Hampton, we would never refer to him as the head hog like that. That is just so rude. And the rancher said, ma'am, I mean no disrespect. I just heard there was a year-end offering and I needed to know who to talk to to give $100,000. And the receptionist said, you just hang on the line. The big pig's walking in right now. <laughs> I don't know how you grew up uh, looking and thinking about money. I grew up uh, very aware and embrace the concept of tithing. That was just the way I grew up. I, I knew that 10% of everything that I brought in was to tithe back to God. And so I did that from a very young age. However, there's a problem with the way I was raised. The problem that I was raised in this concept of money is that God doesn't care about 10%. He cares about 100% because 10% is not his, 100% of it is his. And so I didn't realize that till I matured in my faith and realized that God doesn't just care about 10% of the tithe, he cares about 100%. And so how do I use the vehicles? Do I share? Am I generous with my car? Am I generous with my house? Am I generous with my stuff? Because 10% of it's not his, 100% of it's his. And so I grew up learning this concept and I became passionate about finances when I realized for a while that I was doing it wrong. Again, I was doing 10% right, but you can still do 90% wrong and it's wrong. Amen? And so I was tithing, and so I got passionate about this in my mid-20s because that's when I married my wife, and she forced me to get passionate about this. <laughs> you see, she was raised understanding all the principles of God's money, and she had to take on my baggage in all seriousness in this, in this process. And so I got passionate about it, and so I sat my kids down, and I started teaching them about finances, and to the point where literally I talked to them all the time about money. 
uh, all the time. As a matter of fact, my, my two teenagers, 16 and 18, they are tired of me talking about money. You know how I know that? They've told me. <laughs> Seriously. They're like, dad, that's all you talk about. Now, here's the thing. I don't talk to them about money because I want something from them. They don't have anything to offer me when it comes to money. I promise you. <laughs> I talk to them about money all the time because what I want for them. And it's in that vein that I want to talk to you today, not because I want or we want something from you, but what we want for you. So this is more of an open conversation that I'm having with my kids that I just want to have with you because I'm passionate, because as a pastor, I see all the time so many people so overwhelmed with financial debt and stress and pressure. And what I wanna do is say, we were never meant to live that way. There is a freedom that God has called us to live in, and we're gonna talk about that a little bit today. I don't know if anybody here has a Tesla. My brother has a Tesla. Do we have any Tesla fans? Maybe you don't have a Tesla. Maybe you just love Tesla. I love the company Tesla. I don't know Lake County what's going on. Nobody here wants to be honest. Nobody raised their hand. Everybody here is like, I don't know if we're allowed to admit we like to, I like Tesla. I've been in a Tesla. They're cool. It's like a spaceship. I, I follow uh, Elon Musk on social media. And when there's an article on Tesla, I, I will read it. I'm intrigued, I'm intrigued not just with Tesla, but just Elon Musk as a, as a visionary. And so anytime there's an article, I'll read it. Anytime there's social media, I'll pay attention to it. You know why? I don't own a Tesla car, but I do own Tesla. Not all of it, I own some of it. This is how much some of y'all are like, well, how much do you own? I own .029423 of a stock, which is valued at, that's how much a stock is valued. That's not how much I have. How much I have is $31.54, $31.54, which is about 3% of one stock. Come on. Yeah. Listen, I know what you're doing. Now that you know how much I have, now all y'all want to be my friends. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're wondering. Like, hey, what island are you going to buy first? I literally have less than $32 worth of Tesla stock and I, and I listen, I read all about it. Why do I do that? Because Jesus was right when he said in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart also is. You see, my treasure is in Tesla stock, and so that's where my heart ends up going. That's where my eyes go. I, 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 there's a lot of other stocks. There's a lot of other companies that are great. I don't really pay attention to them. I pay attention to Tesla because that's where my investment is, and where my investment is, my heart's gonna follow that. That's what Jesus talked about. Some of you might say, well, why should the church talk so much about money? And I'm just glad that you asked that. Man, why, pastor, why can't you just stick to the word? Just stick to the word. Stop talking about money. All right, let's stick to the word. First Timothy 6. Command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Why am I gonna to talk to you about money? Because I'm commanded to. And I'm gonna to listen to him more than some of the haters down here. I'm commanded to. What am I commanded to talk to us about, not just you? To be rich in good deeds, to be generous and be willing to share. Ron Blue says this, money is a tool, a test, and a testimony. 
It's a tool to accomplish God's purpose, a test to see if we're gonna be faithful, a testimony because it gives us an opportunity to show the world through our generosity how generous God has been to us. And so today what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you five very practical ways that you can do something to be generous. Here's the first one. Do something to get out of debt. So again, the prayer for us is that we take one step towards generosity. The first thing I would say to do something is do something to get out of debt. Proverbs 22, seven says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. I love how Dave Ramsey says, he says, act your wage. Act your wage, W-A-G-E. You, you can explain it to your neighbor in the car, it's okay. You see, I, I don't know about you, but my 20s and 30s, I, I saw a lot of my friends that were trying to buy in their 20s and 30s the same exact things that their parents had in their 50s and 60s. Like literally, like, like the same size TV, same car, same house, and what it took them 40 years to get, I now deserve it today. There was no grind, there was no delayed gratification, and it strapped a generation with debt, which already was compounded with student loan debt, and, and now they are overwhelmed and stressed out and working two, three jobs just to make it not sure why. And so I wanna encourage you, I wanna encourage you, delayed gratification. You don't need everything the world promises that you need. The, R, the IRS says this, the average filer pays 10 times more a year in interest on debt than they give to charity. Listen, listen to that. Not 10 times they're paying to the IRS, 10 times to interest. So what we give to interest is 10 times more than what we give to charity just because we're, we're strapped with debt. And we wanna come alongside you. We have some courses here called Financial Peace University by, by Dave Ramsey, who's incredible. And I wanna encourage you to jump into one in the new year, how we could help you. And, and Financial Peace University isn't just for people in debt. Now that you're out of debt and you have a surplus, what do I do with that? God cares just as much of that as well. And so Financial Peace University comes alongside you to help give you the tools on how to handle your finances and your resources. So the first thing that I wanna encourage you to do is do something to get out of debt. Second thing I wanna encourage you to do is do something to be content. Stop wasting money and create more margin in your finances. And in case you're wondering, this is the longest worded point I've ever created in my life. <laughs> but I wanted to keep all of it in there. So do something to be content. Stop wasting money, create more margin in your finances. Hebrews 13.5 says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you nor forsake you. I don't know what your go-to purchase is that like you're not even like checking with anybody. You're not even checking with your bank account. You're just spending it. Some of y'all, it's like Starbucks. You're like, listen, I don't care. I have to have seven Starbucks a day. So, some of y'all, it's just Amazon. Yeah, all the ladies are like, shh, don't say nothing. <laughs> I'm gonna hit a nerve here with the ladies. Target, yes. My wife's like, hey, I'll be back. I'm going for 30 minutes. Four hours later, she's coming back. I, for me, my thing is, is, is don't judge me. It's just, I like photos. I just like, I like photos. And, and there, I don't know if you know this, there's a limit on your phone how many photos you can keep. And I don't know what that limit is because I reached it like 10 years ago, okay? And so what I did once I hit that limit is, is like, well, what, what you're supposed to do, right? Well, you just buy more space. And so I hit the limit and then I just bought more iCloud space. It's $2.99 a month 
for me to get more iCloud space. And, and a while ago, I was going through my monthly bills. Every, every month I go through all my transactions and I work through it and I'm looking through it and I see the recurring purchase of $2.99 a month. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, why can't, because here's the deal. I'll just take photos and I'll have like a hundred. I know you don't do this, but I do. I'll have like a hundred photos of the same scene and I only like one photo, but I'll keep them all. You know what I'm saying? So I like, like I could clearly go through them and shrink my phone usage. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, why don't, why don't you just go through your phone and delete it? That way you can free up that 299. Now here's the thing. I, this is not a word for you. This is a conviction. I'm not telling you to do this. This is what the Lord spoke to me. Some of you are like, well, why would you do that? It's only 299 because here's the deal. It doesn't matter how big or small it is. It's not mine, it's his. And so it could be 299 and I'm still accountable to it or it can be three grand and I'm still accountable because my job is not to spend the money without talking to the owner. And so I need to talk to the owner and now he and I had a conversation. I was like, Lord, I really love photos and you've given me a bad memory. Can we meet halfway in the middle? <laughs> and so this is one of the things that I've had to process and do is kind of walk through that. I love John Wesley. John Wesley, some of y'all know, was a pastor evangelist in the 1700s in England. And on May 24, 1738, this is what he, he wrote down about his experience. And he wrote this in his journal. He said this, in the evening about quarter before nine, while the preacher was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given to me that I had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. His heart was warmed. And after that, he began to preach. As a matter of fact, he just preached, 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 preached. He preached an average of 15 sermons a week. Over the course of his life, he preached over 40,000 sermons. And he did it all by horseback. They say that he rode over 250,000 miles on horseback to preach the gospel. That, listen, I don't know what's going on online. The audience here doesn't care. They didn't say anything about that. 250,000, that's going around the earth 10 times to preach the gospel. Come on. I mean, man, that is incredible. Man, tough crowd. So here's the deal. Some of y'all never been on horseback. You, you just been in your Tesla. Horseback's hard. So John Wesley, his first year of, of being an evangelist, being a pastor, riding around everywhere, he made 30 pounds. And he, he realized he could live off of 28 pounds. And so he had two pounds worth of margin. And so he said, I'm gonna use this to give to the local church and to the poor. And then the next year, his second year preaching, he kept his, his uh, cost of living at the same level, 28 pounds. However, his income doubled to 60 pounds. And he said, now I have 32 pounds to give to the poor and to the church. And then in his third year, it tripled. He brought in 90 pounds and he still lived at 28 because he was content. It went on to say that uh, he ended up earning 1,400 pounds a year, but never lived above 30 pounds to the point where this actually bothered and kind of threw warning flags to the English tax commissioners. So they investigated him in 1776, insisting that a man with that much income must be hiding something. So they investigated something and what they ended up finding out was this was a man of God who simply was generous. Because even though he earned more, he created that margin 
And I don't know where you're at, but margin is your friend in any area of your life, but especially finances. And some of you are gonna get a bump in the new year. And I wanna encourage you, if life is tight financially right now, take advantage of the margin that God's about to give you so you could breathe easier and be more generous. Third thing I wanna encourage you to do, do something to teach your kids about money. Do something to teach your kids about money. Deuteronomy 6 says this, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And what this is saying is there are some principles in the faith that we as parents are supposed to pass down to our kids. That, that is our job is to pass them down and our finances is one of them. Because listen, if they don't learn finances biblically from you, they're gonna learn from the world and I promise you, the world's not gonna lead them to a healthy lifestyle. The world's not gonna lead them to a generous lifestyle. It's gonna be overstrapped. You deserve this, you deserve that. And my prayer is that we would raise kids to understand what God's finances are like. Someone uh, anonymously said this once, don't pass on wealth to the next generation if you haven't passed down wisdom. I like that. So I sat down my kids when they were younger and I sat them down and I tried to explain to them principles of, of God when it comes to generosity. And so I had, of course, they, you can't tell them numbers, they, they, they would freak out with numbers, so I just do percentages. So I lay out $1 bills, I lay out 10 of them, and I sit my kids down and I say, hey, so here's, here's 10 uh, $1 bills. Every time that we earn one, the very first one goes back to God. That's, that's tithe. And then the second one is, is save. And then we live off the rest. And I, and I begin to explain to him the goal that God tells us is to start with the first one and to grow in generosity. And so I told him, I said, our goal is to get to $2 and then $3 and so on so that we can grow in generosity. And my son, who's always uh, ahead of his time and just, uh, just a great inquisitive child, he says, hey dad, if the goal is to be generous, why don't we just start giving more right now? And I, I said, son, ain't nobody ask you. <laughs> ain't nobody ask you. You just shut your mouth. <laughs> you see, my, my kid got it, right? And he was right. And so we started, we, we didn't have a good answer. So we had to start figuring out things even right then. So, okay, how can we be more generous? How can we do this? You know, Pastor John mentioned uh, a little bit ago briefly just that the word mine. In our household, we didn't, I don't know if we had any really bad words that we stuck with, but the word mine was literally not allowed to be used from a young age because I just, I didn't want to raise them with the theology that you own anything, ever, because it's all God's. And so they weren't allowed to say mine. And so if, if my kids were, were playing with a toy and they would grab it and they would say mine, I literally would go grab it and take it and I would either throw it in the trash or I would throw it in a goodwill pile and I would get it. And of course they would freak out and, and I would explain to them, I was like, listen, when you're stingy, the Lord takes and when you're generous, you get more. And so when I would see them generous with one another, I'd go out to Toys R Us, which was a store back in the day, and I would purchase a new toy and I would bring it to them and I would give them a new toy. They said, well, why do we get a new toy? Because the other, the other day, the other week, I saw you sharing and when you share, you're gonna get more. Well, where'd you learn that, dad? From scripture. If you're faithful a little, you'll get more. And so they picked up on this and kids know how to manipulate. And so when I'd walk by their bedroom, 
hey, Callie, would you like to borrow this? <laughs> well played, well played. I, uh, I grew up with a buddy of mine and uh, in his bedroom, he had, he had these mason jars and these were on his dresser. And we may have been 10 to 12 years old and, and I, at the time I wasn't really sure what this was all about. He had, the first one says tithe, save and spend and, and they, were, they were full of money. And I noticed money coming in, money going out. And so I asked him, I said, what, what, what's this about? I'm 10 to 12 years old at the time. And he said, oh, this is what I take and I give to the, to the church. And this at this time, you know, we had jobs doing chores and uh, doing yard work and stuff. And so they were just constantly filling. He's 10 to 12 years old. He was raised with the concept of tithing. We are in our late 20s. We're having a conversation. He's no longer a part of the church. He's not even following Jesus. I don't know how it came up, how it came up but somehow tithing came up. And in his late 20s, not even following Jesus, he's still tithing to the same local church. Somebody that's not even following Jesus is tithing because there was a habit that parents taught him about tithing. You know where my buddy's at today, right now, this very hour? That church that he's been tithing at this whole time? Do you know why? Because what Jesus said is true. And Matthew 6, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. And so he'd been tithing all this time. And when, when you're tithing, there's a string tied to it. And so his heart kept following that and eventually landed him and his family back in church. All because the habit of tithing taught to him at a young age. Isn't that awesome? Fourth thing I want to encourage you to do, do something. Do something by giving financially. Do something by giving financially. Even if you start small. Even if you start small, this is what Zechariah 4.10 says, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices, rejoices to see the work begin. Just start somewhere. If you've, never, if you've never began tithing, just start somewhere. Another way I would say to give financially is be a generous tipper. I remember when my wife was in high school, she worked at a Mexican restaurant called Don Pablo's. Some of y'all remember Don Pablo's. They, they, would, they would make, you know, the... Uh, what, what do you call the uh, circular taco thing? The soft shell taco. They would make those, like press them down right there. They're tortillas. And boy, that, that's all I needed right there. That smell and seeing them. And she worked at Don Pablo's. And some of you know this because you work in the restaurant industry. None of her friends wanted to work on Sunday. And some of you have no idea why. You see, there was an argument every single time because nobody wanted to work on Sunday because that's when the entitled, low-tipping Christians would show up. And they would show up with an entitled attitude and they would be lousy tippers. And listen, that wasn't reserved for that season and that one restaurant. I hear it a lot. And just saying it kind of breaks my heart. Like people should be fighting to work on Sundays because I don't know what it is, but there's something different about those people that follow Jesus and they're always the kindest people. They're always the gentlest people. They're always the most generous. Even when I messed up, they were so generous with what, how the way they talked to me and the way they tipped that they wanna fight to, to be able to work on a Sunday because of the generosity of those that call themselves a Christian. That's what it means to be a generous person. The next way that you can give financially is to give to the year-end offering. 
Pastor John's talked about this. We're gonna be prepaying, our goal is to prepay all of 2022 missions and benevolence in our serve day funds, which comes out to $500,000. And this is gonna fund all of our mission partners. And we have over 20 different mission partners locally and around the world. One of them is Camp Bahamas that we partner with. Camp Bahamas uh, at one time, and it may still be the only Christian camp for all the Bohemian Islands for teenagers. Literally the only one. At one time it was, I don't know if it still is. If, it, if there's more, it's at least the biggest and one of the best, and we get to partner with them, and I love it. Kids from all the islands come every summer to Camp Bahamas. We get to partner with residents from all around the nation and raise up young leaders and, and, and kind of invest in the future leaders of leaders of leaders all around the globe. Whether it's feeding people physical food right here in Central Florida with our local food pantry and food bank partners or giving the bread of life to those in remote rural places throughout Guatemala, one way or another, we wanna be able to prepay the missions and you may wanna be a part of that. I, I encourage you to be a part of that. The next way you give financially would be this, give your biggest financial gift to God. This is what I know about generous people. A generous person doesn't make God's floor their ceiling. Let me say that again. A generous person doesn't make God's floor their ceiling. A generous person doesn't make God's starting line their finish line. A generous person is thinking, how can I do more? How can I give more? Maybe this can be the biggest offering I can ever give. Maybe the biggest gift I can ever give. There was a student in college doing a research paper and it was a big research paper and the student did it and turned it in and the professor got it and looked it over and wrote at the top, is this the best that you can do? And turned it back into the student. As you can imagine, the student was kind of taken back like, Man, how did, this, how did the professor know that I only gave half, you know, half effort? And so they kind of felt busted, but at the same time, wasn't sure what to do. So goes and works on it a little bit more, spends a couple of days, turns it back in. And the same response, the, the professor says, is this the best you can do? And gives it back to the student. This goes back and forth multiple times to the point where finally the student had done everything possible, brought in mentors, did so much research, read all these books and kind of got frustrated with the professor, sets up a meeting and says, listen, I don't know what your problem is, but this is the best I can do. Why do you keep saying that? And so the student felt judged and the professor confessed, hey, listen, I never read your paper. I was just asking you a question. Was this the best that you can do? And I think God's asking the same question. I think God's just simply saying, is this the best that you can do? Whether it's with a small amount, a big amount, and only you and I can answer that question for you and I. Nobody else can answer that. We can't judge other people. We know what we have to work with. And I think God's saying, is this the best that you can do? And that's the whole idea of not putting idols in front of God. Like God deserves the best. He is number one. We don't let anything or anybody come above God. He deserves our very best. The fifth thing I wanna encourage us to do, to do something, do something by talking to the owner. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, Psalm 24, one. God owns it all. We've talked about this the past couple weeks. So here's what I would say. God is the owner and you are the manager. How do we know what we're to do with the stuff we have? Talk to the owner and he'll give you directions. How do we know what to do with our stuff? Talk to the owner. God is eager to guide you. Hey, God, I have this financial debt. 
How do I get out of it? Hey, God, I have this surplus. What do I do with it? Hey, God, I'm praying about doing X. Should I do that or should I save this? Should I, how, should I invest it? God, hey, listen, it's not ours. The 299 that you have, it's not yours. It's his. And how do we know what to do with it? We give it to the owner. We talk to the owner about it. In 2013, George Clooney, actor, famous actor in 2013, he brought 14 of his friends together. These are people that he said he'd known for 35 years in some way, shape, or form had blessed him. Some of them let him sleep on the couch at their house. Some of them gave him small loans. And he thought, how can I, how can I say thank you and how can I bless them? And he came up with the idea. He said, you know, when I die, I'm gonna have a lot of money and I'm gonna just give it all away. Why can't I just give it away now? Why can't I start being generous now? And so he sat 14 of his friends together where he already arranged for there to be in cash, each of them to walk away with a million dollars in cash. Some of y'all are thinking, man, I'd love to be his friend. <laughs> Others of you are thinking, man, I wanna get to the point where I can give away that much money. You see, George Clooney was in a hotel not long after that, after the news broke out, and an uber rich, 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 rich person that had way more than George had heard what he had done and kind of in a belittling way told George, George, how can you do this? Like, why would, like, what a foolish thing. Why would you give that much money away? And this is what George said. He said, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I? I love that. I want to introduce you to some friends of mine. This is Randy. This is Randy and Sandy Stout. Randy's a truck driver. He drives all across, across the nation and he's not in person at a campus often, but he's always watching live and listening live. And so Randy, I just want to give you a shout out and say hello. You see, he's a new hero of mine. About a month ago, Randy came to church. He had an off Sunday where he happened to be in town on a Sunday and he came. And I'm telling you, I, I haven't seen somebody this excited about church and about God in a long time. I mean, he couldn't stop hugging me. He literally probably hugged me five or six times. Like in the middle of talking, we're talking, he just give me a hug. He's just, he's just passionate about the church. And as you can see, he's wearing a hat, the, the, the journey hat, he's wearing a shirt. Like he loves the local church, but he was angry. He had this anger. He had this, this frustration and he wore it on his face and he, and he said, pastor, I need you to help me. I said, how can I help you? He said, I'm always on the road and I'm always listening, but I can't give. I know you could give online and he holds his phone up. I know you give online, but I don't know how to work this. He said, pastor, can you help me give to my church? He says, man, I, I just, I need to give to my church. Can you help me? So right here, in the aisle before Sunday, I helped him set up a recurring gift. He said he wanted it to be recurring. And we set it up. Listen, you would have thought he won the lottery with how excited he was to start giving to the local church. Seriously, he, I, I, he couldn't have been more excited. Y'all wanna know how much he gave? I'm never gonna tell y'all. <laughs> you wanna know how much he gave? It doesn't matter because this is what 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And when I saw him that day, I thought of this verse. God loves a cheerful giver.
In Africa, there's a ringtail monkey. It's very difficult to catch. Very difficult to catch, but it's a nuisance. And then the locals found a way to catch it. What they would do is they would take a melon and they would cut a small hole in it. And what, what a, a monkey would do, the ringtail monkey would do, is it would stick its hand in the melon and it would grab the seeds. And as it would grab the seeds, it would make a fist. And then it, the fist wouldn't allow it to, to pull its hand out because the hole was, was big enough for the hand to go in, but not big enough for a fist to come out. So one of the most elusive monkeys, that's a, a problem and, and fast that nobody can catch, you can simply walk up to the monkey literally walk up and just grab it because it will never let go of the seeds. And I wonder if there's somebody here today that you've been holding on to something and it's costing you your life. And God's saying, you just need to let it go. You need to let whatever it is, you need to let it go so that you can experience a freedom that you've never had in your life before. Some of you are holding on to cynicism and bitterness. Every time you hear the topic of money, you just, you have this unhealthy urge in you and God's just saying, let it go and experience the freedom of generosity. Some of you are holding on, on to dreams that God never put in your heart financially or some of you are holding on to stuff that God never meant to you and God's just saying, when you let it go, you're gonna experience a freedom that you've never experienced before. And that's the kind of life that John 10, 10 talks about. The full life, the free life. That's the life that God died on a cross for you for, a fully surrendered life. God has called us to live an open-handed life, not a closed-fisted life. God has called you and I to be open-handed with everything he comes, it comes and it goes, and we don't grab onto anything because nothing's ours, it's all his. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you. God, for, for me, I can't, I can't even recount all the times that I've cried tears of repentance for how I've handled your money and your stuff. Growing up, handling it poorly. And so God, I thank you for you being patient with us and how we manage or mismanage your resources. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your patience. And God, I pray for whatever it is that we're holding on to. would you help us to let it go? Would you help us to surrender all? And that's what it means when we call you Lord is that we surrender all. And we don't lift our hands and worship with fists. We lift our hands and worship and surrender with our palms out, holding on to nothing but clinging to you because you're everything. And so Heavenly Father, God, would you help us to rid ourselves of the love of this world and cling to the things of eternal? Because just like I can follow Tesla because my investment's there, God, I wanna follow, I wanna follow the spiritual investments. That's where, that's where it's gonna last eternally. And so Lord, I thank you for the faithfulness of the, the hundreds and thousands of people that have given over the decades to journey to allow us to impact the world. God, I get excited about for the Randys that are here today that they're gonna start tithing and they're gonna feel like they hit the lottery because the word that it is more blessed to give than receive is true. And so Lord, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. If you like this podcast, we post a new message every week. So make sure to click that follow button and share it with your friends. Remember, Journey is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and through Jesus, anything is possible.